Welcome to Serious Faith, a podcast exploring the gospel story by story to discover the way of Jesus. Well, hello everybody. Good morning. Welcome back to Serious Faith. Another week in the scripture. Uh, you may have to forgive me this week. I, I've still got a little bit of a COVID, COVID cough uh, left over from when I had COVID almost three months ago now. So, uh, But this week we are still working toward the cross, working toward uh, the crucifixion. And so last week we looked at uh, Jesus entering Jerusalem in the book of John chapter 12. And our next story in John 12 starts with verse 20 and goes through verse 36, 20 to 36. And uh, so let me read it to you, and we'll jump in, just like normal. The, the, let's see. Some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and made a request. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, The time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. My Father will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time? No, for this reason, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard and said, It's thunder. Others said, An angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, This voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. He said this to show how he was going to die. The crowd responded, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the human one must be lifted up? Who is this human one? Jesus replied, The light is with you for only a little while. Walk while you walk <laughs> tongue twister. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness doesn't overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness don't know where they are going. As long as you have the light, believe in the light, so that you might become people whose lives are determined by the light. After Jesus said these things, he went away and hid from them. Alright, so Let's jump in. This story, Jesus, if you remember, is uh, getting ready to, to uh, get to the crucifixion. And so uh, an interesting thing here that's noted is that right off the bat, it says some Greeks were among those who'd come to the festival. Uh, and so I think this is interesting because, you know, normally when you think of these stories and you think of Jesus' work, you think of the Passover, you think of the Jews, right? The whole This whole story is based around the Jewish people and God's people, Israel. And, and you so you immediately think of the Jews, but as Jesus gets ready to talk about his death and what his death is going to accomplish, which is what happens in this passage, it specifically notes that Greeks were there also. And it almost gets you this, this picture of like, look, what he's going to do is more universal than just Israel. It's not just about the Jews. It's, it's more than that. And so these Greeks are there, right? And so they say, we want to see Jesus, right? We, we've heard about this guy. Introduce us. And so they go to Jesus. Right? He goes to the disciples, the disciples go to Jesus, and Jesus says that it's time, it is time for him to be glorified. 
And of course, he's hinted at what that means before. He's, he's, he's heavily hinted at what that means. Uh, now, the disciples haven't necessarily gotten it yet, but he's definitely hinted at it. So, he says, I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, right? So he's saying, look, if you just have a grain, it, 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 it's a piece of grain. But if you put it in the ground, it produces tons of fruit, right? And he's using this farming analogy. And then he says straight up to those around him, those who love their lives will lose them. And those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. My goodness. So what he's saying here, what he's saying here is this. I mean, obviously he's foreshadowing his own death, right? He's saying, look, my body, like that piece of wheat, I can only do so much on my own. But if I go and I die, right, if I'm put into the ground, then I can produce so much fruit, right? You think about it, all of Christianity throughout history, it's all based on this, this moment where he puts himself in the ground, where he dies, and he produces so much fruit. People's lives are transformed. They're changed. And he's going to explain why here in a second. But I don't want us to lose the fact that he tells his disciples, his followers, that they're going to have to do the same. That if you're going to be in love with your life here, you're going to lose it. Right? You're going to lose everything. But if you look at the life here and you say, man, this, is, this isn't it. Surely there's more than this. Then it says you're going to get it forever. You're going to get life forever. Those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. See, wherever I am, there my servant will also be, and my Father will honor those who serve me. Right? He says, look, if I'm wherever I go, you're going to go. If you're my disciples, you're going to go where I go. And where I'm going is to the cross. I'm going to death. I'm going to pour myself out for people. And I wonder sometimes, you know, as I think about, especially in my role as a pastor, but, but especially in my role as a pastor, as a young pastor, as somebody who's from a younger generation than probably 90% of the people in my church. What I wonder sometimes, I look at the church sometimes and I think, are we really willing to lose our lives? And honestly, I don't think we are. I think in a lot of places, in a lot of churches, for a lot of Christians, they aren't willing to lose anything, right? We're not willing to give up anything for the gospel, for Jesus. And yet Jesus lives this life where he literally gives up everything. I mean, he gives up his very life so that others might have life. You know, and the church spends so much time arguing about petty stuff and stuff that doesn't matter when there are, are lives at stake, eternal et eternities, people's souls are at stake. And Jesus is saying, look, you ought to be willing to give up your life, right? You ought to be willing to be martyred. And I have a feeling that if that were the case, like if, 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 if for some reason the U.S. goes a direction and, and Christians are martyred, right? That's, it's, it's real, it's, you know, the realisticness of this analogy doesn't matter, right? What I'm saying is there are places in the world where Christians are martyred, martyred simply because they're Christians. So imagine for a moment you live in a place where you could be killed just because you're a Christian. Would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to give up your own life for the sake of the gospel, right? Would you be willing to be a Stephen? I, I think for most of us, that is a hard question. And yet Jesus here does not mince words. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. 
And you know, what's, what's great is this is a struggle. And I think Jesus knows it's a struggle because right after he says, look, I am deeply troubled, <laughs> right? Even Jesus struggled with this. But he, then he says, right, and catch this, what should I say? Father, save me from this time, right? That's in quotes. Father, save me from this time. He's saying, look, is this what you want me to say? Should I be like, God, take me out of it? And he says, no, it's for this very reason that I've come to this time. He says, look, this is what I was born to do. I was born to give myself up, to give up what I love, to give up what I like, to give up the things I cherish so that people would know know me, that they would know the Father, they would know the love of God. And then there's this cool part where he says, Father, glorify your name. And so God, God from the heavens, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd there, of course, some say, well, it's thunder and others say an angel spoke and... And Jesus says, look, this voice wasn't for your benefit. I'm trying to show you that I'm telling the truth here. Like this time, it's almost like you can hear the urgency in Jesus's voice here. It's like, look, this is the moment. This is the moment I've been telling you about. This is the, this is it. We're here. And then he explains what's about to happen. I love this. He says, now is the time for judgment of this world. I love that, right? That's part one. It's the judgment of the world. What I love about this is that the judgment of God upon the world means that People experience the love of God, right? When most of us think of judgment, when we think of judgment, we think of wrath of God. We think of, you know, we think of going to jail, be thrown into heaven, be beaten, be murdered, be whatever, you know, judgment has been served. What I love here, he says, judgment is about to be served on the world. And what it looks like is Jesus dying for us. (laughs) God's judgment on the world is that he still loves it. He still loves us. Even in our junk and our mess and our filth, God loves us. And the judgment is that Jesus is going to take all the bad. He's going to take the, the, the punishment, the, 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 you know, we call it atonement in the church. You know, he's going to take all this stuff and the world's going to be judged. And he says the world's ruler will be thrown out, meaning Satan, right? Because it's hard to look around at the world and, and think that Satan doesn't have influence. He says, look, I'm going to defeat him. <laughs> I'm going to beat him up. He says, this world ruler will be thrown out. It's going to be thrown out, right? And he defeats the enemy. He defeats death itself on when he goes to the cross, right? He, he's killed on the cross. They put him in the tomb. Three days later, he raised, he's raised from the dead, and he's done. That's it. He's completed the thing that he just said he was going to do, right? <laughs> and uh, what is really cool, he says, when this happens, when I'm lifted up, from the earth, I will draw. I will draw everyone to me. Right, I will draw everyone to me. And it says, uh, in in verse thirty three, a little side note. He said this to show how he was going to die. He's going to be lifted up, and when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw everybody to me. Right, this is the gospel message. Like this, these verses, verses thirty to thirty three. This is the gospel message in a nutshell. Right, the judgment of the world. The judge, the judge has said world's guilty, Jesus is going to pay the penalty. And because his judgment on the world is grace, it says he that he's going to throw out the ruler of the world because of the, that is his judgment. The, the ruler of the world, the current ruler, right, the enemy, Satan, is going to be thrown out. And, and people are going to be drawn to him. And I love it because too often in the church, we act as if it's the opposite, right? That the enemy is ruling the day. We say that Jesus is ruling the day. We say that Jesus has thrown him out. We say that, that 
you know, Jesus is all that we want and all that we need. But then we, when we, we get to evangelism, when we get to sharing the gospel and, and faith, what, what happens instead is we go, well, people don't want to hear that. But, the, but Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to be drawing people to me, right? There is something magnetic about Jesus. See, the problem, as much as we don't admit it, is not with Jesus. It's with, it's with the way we're presenting him. It's with, it's with, it's with people who say they're, they're Jesus followers and don't look anything like Jesus, right? These are the reasons people don't want to come to church. These are the reasons people don't want Jesus. And then, of course, people question this. Right? They question it. And they go, well, that's, that can't be right because the law says that the Christ is going to remain forever. He's ruling forever. How can you be lifted up? And he says, look, the light is with you for only a little while. Walk while you have the light so the darkness doesn't overtake you. Those who walk in the dark don't know where they are going. As long as you have the light, believe in the light so that you might become people whose lives are determined by the light. And after Jesus said these things, he went and hid. Right? He says, look, why are you worried about that stuff? Like, why are you, why is that your concern? He says, the light is with you right now. Walk in it. Bask in it. Right? In fact, you know, just in this moment, right, outside my house right now, it is snowing. It is snowing. And, and so I, I sent a picture uh, to our comms director who is currently in Florida on vacation and I said, don't you miss it? And she sent me a picture back. She's on the beach. <laughs> right? And this, I think of that picture in this moment because, because she's going to enjoy that light while she's still got it. Right? She's going to enjoy it while she's there, while she can. Because she knows that at some point next week she has to come home and she's going to come home to this. <laughs> so Jesus says, look, walk in the light while you have it. Walk in the light. And so we get this great gospel presentation, right, as he's getting ready to go and do what he needs to do, right, as he gets ready to go and save us all. And he says, walk in the light. And so I ask you, friends, are you walking in the light? And I don't mean, have you prayed the right prayer? Do you go to church on Sunday? That's not what I'm asking. Because walking in the light implies that you are doing it again and again, right? Walking is not, walking is different than taking a step. Going to church on a Sunday morning is taking a step. Walking is a repeated day in, day out journey with Jesus. And he says, you got to walk in the light. So, so we, so that's the, the, the serious faith that we have to ask ourselves today is, are we walking in the light or are we just sitting in it, right? Are we walking in it and enjoying it? Because let me tell you what, when it's beautiful outside, when it is beautiful outside, people go outside. Right? People go on walks or bike rides or, or jogs or they play sports or they hike or, you know, you name it. People like being outside when it's well lit, right, when the sun's out, when it's warm. And, and this is what we have right now. We, we are given this sun, uh, pun intended here, right, the son of God. And he says, look, I'm the light. Come and, come and walk with me. Come and enjoy me. So are you, are you enjoying Jesus? Are you walking with him day in, day out? What's your walk with Jesus like right now? Do some self-assessing today, and we'll get back to it next week.